Welcome to the Prayer Mentor Podcast, where we are empowering Christian leaders to pray for the harvest. We pray your prayer life will be deepened by this podcast. Today we're continuing our series on abiding in Christ. We are going to be talking about praying through the names of Yahweh and appropriating the present ministry of Jesus. Last week, we talked about abiding in Christ, and I suggested that Jesus was giving an invitation to his followers to be one with him. I went a step farther and suggested even that Jesus was inviting us to the same kind of oneness he had experienced with the Father. Then we talked about where is the place of abiding. And I suggested that that place is where Jesus is. Number one, he's at the right hand of the Father. Number two, he lives within the believer. And so the believer, because we're members of the body of Christ, we are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. And wherever we go, Jesus lives within us. He wants to live his life in us and through us. Today, we're going to talk about coming to that place of abiding. Many years ago, I was an associate pastor of a medium-sized church in West Covina, California. The senior pastor had contracted a rare eye disease because of stress. His doctor said this was so unusual and that it was only uh, doctors and lawyers who got this disease. Ministry at our church was a stressful place. A um, lot of conflict, and the senior pastor had to leave. He wanted to stay, but for the sake of his eyesight, he had to leave. The deacons then made me the administrator for the church. Two weeks after I took that role, the senior pastor left. The bookkeeper came to me and said, Clyde, we don't have enough money to pay staff today. Uh, we will take offerings on Sunday, and we can pay them on Monday. And so I called every staff member into the office, um, explained the situation, and then I offered, what do you need to get through the weekend? Um, most of them said, we don't need a thing. One or two said, yeah, I could use $100 to get through the weekend. One man said, I want all my money. Well, when I left the office that day, it felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. I needed God. I was not adequate for the task to lead this church in the interim period. Two days later, early in the morning, before daylight, I rose and I began to walk the streets of West Covina and I prayed. I'd gone to a multiple church staff conference two weeks prior and uh, a gentleman who was leading the conference lifted up a book. It was called Could You Not Tarry for One Hour by Larry Lee. And I bought the book on my drive home at a bookstore. I'd been reading the book, and now I was a candidate for prayer. I desperately needed God because I didn't have the ability to lead our church out of debt. It took us about two weeks to figure, to figure out how much debt we had. We had $37,000 of debt that we had accumulated in the first five months of the year. And that if we continued our spending and if our offerings remained the same, we would have a debt of $70,000 in an interim period with no pastor. Boy, could you imagine the pastor who would come to a church with such a debt? Well, as I prayed, 
I called upon Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And I asked him to be a provider to us. Our staff and the deacons went before the church and we owned the debt. We apologized, we confessed our sin, that we had not controlled the spending. And we made a commitment to the body that we would control spending from that time on. Every morning, while it was still dark, I rose and for one hour, I walked the streets of West Covina and I sought God's face. I prayed through the names of Yahweh. And one morning, um, Jesus said, ask me for a zero balance. And from that time on, I began daily asking God to give us a zero balance. Um, I went before the body every other week and gave a report where we stood financially, wanting to be accountable to the body for our spending. And the very first words out of my mouth were, God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And I invited them to pray with me that in the next six months, we would have a zero balance. They did. Those were hard days. Those were dark days. Long meetings into the night, early morning meetings to control spending. Uh, we had to cut staff. We had to cut program budgets. We took special offerings. We had all night prayer meetings. We did everything we could possibly do so that we didn't overspend. And every morning I got up before daylight and I prayed for an hour through the names of Yahweh, through the Lord's Prayer. Six months, two weeks later, two weeks into the new year, we had a zero debt. God was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And we were praising God for his goodness in our lives. A close friend of mine asked, well, now that we're at a zero balance, are you gonna continue praying like you've been doing every morning? And I looked at him and said, oh yeah, I said, I found Jesus in those morning prayer walks. You know, I, I had a need that drew me to God, but what I found was Jesus in the confusion, in the um, hard times where I had to make decisions. Jesus was there and he met with me and it was remarkable. Today, I wanna to talk to you about praying through the Lord's Prayer specifically praying through this first request, hallowed be thy name, and praying through the names of Yahweh in the present ministry of Jesus. Now, there are many ways to come to a place of abiding. I have dear friends, they're just students of God's word. And one, his name is John Hamilton, said, Clyde, I come to a place of abiding through the study of God's word. I've had dear brothers who are worship leaders and love to worship God. And they've said to me, Clyde, I come to a place of abiding by worshiping God. For me, my number one way of coming to a place of abiding is praying through the Lord's Prayer and the names of Yahweh. Now, the first request in the Lord's Prayer is, hallowed be thy name. And Jesus, when he makes this request, He's thinking in terms of the name of God, which I want to suggest to you is Yahweh. Now, um, you know, I mentioned Jehovah Jireh prior. 
uh, as I have prayed through the names of Yahweh and have studied the scripture, I had a Hebrew professor from Dallas Theological Seminary suggest to me that the name that the Hebrews use for Jehovah or Yahweh is the name Yahweh. It's the same name spoken in a different way. Um, But for the rest of our purposes, I'm going to be using the name Yahweh. So in the scripture, uh, we read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, that the name of God from generation to generation is Yahweh. Yahweh means self-existing one. And as I've studied the Hebrew scriptures, what I've found is 15 compound names of Yahweh in the Old Testament. To hallow God's name literally means to make his name holy or to set it apart. And I want to suggest to you that when we're praying that, we're asking God to make his name a reality and the character of his person connected with that name a reality in our lives. We're asking him to manifest himself as Yahweh in our lives. And we see Jesus talking about this in um, John chapter 17. He says, and I think it's verse 5, I manifested your name to all those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they kept your word. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're asking God to manifest his character in our lives that is accompanied with that compound name of Yahweh. Now in the scripture, there are two pictures that uh, capture what it means to pray, hallowed be thy name. One picture is an Old Testament picture. It's Moses at the burning bush. The other is a New Testament picture. It's Jesus on the throne of grace. And when we see Moses at the burning bush, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through verse 12, Moses is given a challenge by God. But Moses feels far too inadequate to meet the challenge. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 12, it reads, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of the people who are in Egypt, my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I have their, I have their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, But I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have come, um, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, 
You shall serve God on this mountain. God has heard the cry of his people, the Israelites, and it is now time for deliverance. And he is meeting with Moses at the burning bush. And God is sending him to be a deliverer to the children of Israel. But Moses responds and he says, who am I that I should go? Now we're given insight into what is going on here in the previous chapter. Exodus chapter 2, and this would be verses 11 through, chapter, in chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian bearing a, beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you the prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. Moses was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up as a prince of Egypt. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen tells us that no one was more eloquent in speech than Moses, and he was trained in all the knowledge of the Egyptians. Moses was a leader. And when he was 40 years old, he began to get in touch with his roots, and he saw the suffering of the Hebrew people, and he thought to himself, I'm going to be a deliverer to the children of Israel. And so he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he slays the Egyptian. The very next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting. And I'm going to suggest to you the inference of Acts 7 is that one of those men was the very man he delivered the day before. And that man says to Moses, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? With those words, Moses knew that he had been found out. And so he flees to Midian. He goes not as a great leader who has triumphed. He goes as a man who has failed. He is in defeat. He feels very inadequate. And for 40 years, he is tending sheep. This is one of the great leaders of the Egyptians, and he's tending sheep. Now he sees this burning bush, and he approaches it, and God speaks to him. And God wants to send him to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And what does Moses say? Well, who am I? You see, for 40 years, those words of that Hebrew, who made you a prince and a judge over us, had been haunting Moses. He lived in failure. He lived in defeat. He felt very inadequate. And God gives him a task, and he says, who am I? What the beautiful thing in this passage is that God doesn't reprove him. God says, I will be with you. It's the Hebrew it's the Hebrew verb form of Yahweh. Moses is saying, who am I? I don't feel very big. I don't feel very powerful or strong. 
um, I feel rather small and puny. And God responds to him and says, I will be with you. I am Yahweh. I have all strength. I am all powerful. I will fill up every place you feel inadequate to accomplish this task. In this Old Testament picture, Moses is standing before the burning bush. God has a task. He's sending Moses to do a job. And Moses feels inadequate. And Moses says, who am I? And God says, I'll be with you. I will be Yahweh. That is a picture of what it means to pray, hallowed be thy name. Manifest your name in my life that I can accomplish the task you've called me to do. The New Testament picture of coming to a place of abiding is seen in the exhortation of the author of Hebrews to approach the throne of grace. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, it says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then find confidence with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The New Testament picture is a picture of Jesus. He is seated on the throne of grace. And as we approach him, what do we find? We find grace and we find compassion. We find mercy. The very character of Yahweh is grace and mercy. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 8, it says, The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And the Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Jesus' throne is a throne of grace and mercy. And the very character of Yahweh, that expression of him that most captures who he is, is that he is merciful and he is gracious. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 through 18, we see the disposition of God as the believer comes to the throne of grace. It reads, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust you sh shall be your strength. But you were not willing. You said, No, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee away. And we will ride upon swift steeds, 
Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five shall you shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on a top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. In this passage, the children of Israel um, are facing the Assyrian army. They're looking to make a covenant with the Egyptian army to come and rescue them. And God is saying to them, listen, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. If you'll call upon me, I'll come and help you. But they were not willing to do that. And so as they flee the Assyrian army, the Assyrian army will capture them and they'll be left alone all by themselves. But then there's this great verse in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious. He rises to show compassion. See, God is waiting for you and me to draw near to him. No matter what our challenge is, he's waiting to show us grace, to show us mercy. And that's what Jesus is on the throne of grace. Um, he, as we draw near to the throne of grace, what do we find? Not an angry God, but a God who is full of, but a God who is full of grace and mercy to meet us in our time of need. I want to say to you that the disposition of God in heaven is that he's at the edge of his seat and he's waiting for us to draw near to him. I grew up in Pico Rivera and I had friends in high school who went to Catholic church, Catholic churches, and their perspective of the disposition of God was that he was sitting on his throne and he was angry with them. His fence fists were clenched and they were white knuckled. His jaw was tight and he was angry with them. I had other friends in high school who were agnostic and their perspective of the disposition of God was that he was kicked back and uh, could care less about them. He was not interested in anything about them. But what we see in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 is that God is on the edge of his seat and he longs to be gracious. He's on his tiptoes and he wants to rise to exalt himself high in showing mercy to you and me. That is the picture of the New Testament, of this notion, hallowed be thy name. In the Old Testament picture, God has a charge for us. He has a task he's sending us to do. And we're asking, who am I? And God says, I am Yahweh. I will fill you up and make you adequate for the task. In the New Testament picture, we're approaching the throne of grace. And Jesus wants to show us grace and compassion and mercy. And what do we find when we approach the throne of grace? Grace, compassion, mercy. We find Yahweh. In my study of God's Word, I have found 15 different compound names of Yahweh. 
And what I've discovered is that every name of Yahweh has a corresponding present ministry of Jesus. For years, I've been coming to a place of abiding by praying through the Lord's Prayer and the names of Yahweh, appropriating the present ministry of Jesus. Now, when I was a student at Biola University and Talbot Theological Seminary, I had classes where we studied the Gospels and the life of Jesus. I had classes where we studied the death, the resurrection of Jesus, um, his present ministry, and um, his second coming. But I have to say to you, there was very little time given to the high priesthood ministry of Jesus. And what I've discovered is that Jesus is alive, and he is at work today. He has a present ministry today. There, for years, I've been praying through the names of Yahweh and then appropriating the present ministry of Jesus. And a number of my friends have asked me to write out my prayers. My intention was that they would be instructive for followers of Jesus to know how they could pray through a name of Yahweh and appropriate the present ministry of Jesus. And this book, um, this writing is in the book, Coming to a Place of Abiding. You can get it on Kindle if you search Clyde Hudson or you type out in the search, Coming to a Place of Abiding, it will pop up. As I've studied the compound names of Yahweh, meditated on the present name of Jesus, I have found there is a corresponding present ministry of Jesus for every compound name of Yahweh. So the first compound name of Yahweh that I pray through is Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. And what I have found is that Jesus is the righteous one who speaks in our defense. The second one is Yahweh Goel, the Lord your Redeemer. And what I found is that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he has purchased us, he has redeemed us with his blood. The second is Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who makes holy. And what I found is that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And then Yahweh Shammah, the Lord who is there. And Jesus is the head of the church. We are his body, and we are one with him. Jesus lives within us, and wherever we go, we are one. He, the Lord is there with us. And then Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who is peace. And what I found is that Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is king of Salem, king of peace. And then Yahweh Rophe, the Lord who heals. And what I found is that it is in the name of Jesus that the sick are healed. And then Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who provides. And what I found it is in the Father's glorious riches in Christ that he meets all of our needs. Then Yahweh Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. And I found that Jesus is the shepherd of our souls and the chief shepherd over all of the church. And then Yahweh Adonai, the sovereign Lord. And what I found is that Jesus is sovereignly building his church and the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. Then Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our banner. And I found that Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And then finally, Yahweh Sabaoth. Jesus is the Lord Almighty. He is the Lord over a host of an army of angels. And what I found is that Jesus is the Son of Man. He 
has a name that's greater than the angels and he sends his angels to minister to the saints and protect them. So how do we come to a place of abiding? I want to suggest one way is praying through the Lord's Prayer and specifically praying, hallowed be thy name. We're asking God to manifest who he is, his character is Yahweh. And we're then appropriating that present ministry of Jesus that correlates with that compound name of Jesus. Now here's what I want to suggest to you, is that when you pray, Jesus is waiting. He's on the throne of grace, and he's waiting to show you grace and mercy. He's literally at the edge of his seat. He's on his tiptoes, and he wants to rise and show you grace and mercy. He is not angry with you. He's not indifferent to your needs. He is waiting for you to approach him. And as you do, and you pray through the names of Yahweh, and you appropriate the present ministry of Jesus, you will experience oneness with him. He will live his life in you and through you. You will bear fruit for the kingdom of God, and the Father will be glorified. May the Lord bless you as you seek to come to that place of abiding with Jesus. Mm -hmm.